What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the renamed Dallas Morning News, SportsDayDFW.com sports podcast. I'm Evan Grant, joined by Kevin, Kevin Sherrington, clown number one, clown number one, that's and right. serial chewer, Barry Horn. Good to be here. And uh, joining us from his truck, I believe, uh, not yet on the way to Surprise, Arizona, but shortly, is Rangers manager Jeff Bannister. Jeff, are you there? I am here. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get right to this before we get into any other nonsense. Let's get to the most important question that people want answered from the offseason. After watching the Rangers commercial during the Super Bowl, exactly who was it that was pissed off? (laughs) Exactly who was it? Well, listen, one of our motivating forces last year was uh, that as we would continue to play, creep closer, move closer, uh, take a couple steps back, uh, but continue to play hard and move up. And one of the things I continue to tell our guys throughout the year that nobody nobody wanted us there at the end. Uh, and that if it was going to be us, there were going to be a lot of people that were going to be very angry and upset. So uh, as, as it was, it was us at the end. Uh, one of the things that I told them, uh, from the very beginning, is to keep that keep that chip on your shoulder and, and keep making everybody else around the league upset. Uh, so I would say it was everybody else, but uh, our fans and our players and our organization that was pissed off. So how is that going to work this year, Jeff? Because I think most people are picking either you or the Astros uh, to to win the West. So how do you turn that uh, around this year? Well, good. Uh, I'm glad that they're they're, they're picking uh, somebody. They have to, and and one of the things uh, that I think is important for us is that uh, we still have some unfinished business. Um, uh, everybody is well aware, and everybody watched and, and saw what happened in in, in Toronto. Uh, our guys, I believe, used that for fuel all winter long to, to prepare themselves not only physically but mentally. So uh, we'll, we'll see what we got. <clears throat> In, in surprise when we get there, uh, and, and I've said it before, at some point we'll we'll shut the door on, on 2015, open the door on 2016, and, and continue to use whatever means necessary to, to motivate ourselves, because this is a grind. You guys know that. You've been part of it. You you live it also. So uh, you need those little little extra motivating forces to get you through the year. What, what exactly has the front office done to help you uh, this season? The upcoming what season. have they done? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Look, look, look back at last year, and you can you can see what they've done for us. You look at look at Cole Hamels, Dyson Digman. Um, that's that's a big step of what they've done for us. They they went out and bolstered our, our bullpen uh, with Wilhelmson and and uh, Tony Barnett. And, uh, we've we feel like that we have a solid core group of players. I mean. It, 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 look, everybody wants to, 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 to go out and, and make a splash because that's, that's the only thing you can compete with uh, during the offseason. There's no games to be played. So that, 
that's everybody's mental uh, gymnastics, if you will, of being able to compete in the off season. Uh, I feel like that, that our, our, our front office did uh, one heck of a job last year of uh, securing Cole Hamels, uh, Dyson, and Deekman for us. Uh, they, they've continued to have some guys in place for us. Uh, but not only that, if you look not too far down the road, we've got some, some young players coming. Uh, so uh, there's, they've done a lot for us. It just doesn't, just because it, it wasn't a, 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 a player move that, that made a, a huge splash uh, during the offseason doesn't mean. And, and the other thing, too, we get Darvish back. Uh, in, in mid to late May or, or early June. So uh, that's about as good a move as, as you could possibly make. So, Jeff, this is, you're going into your second spring, and, and I'd like to know what your philosophy is. You, you brought up what happened in Toronto. Uh, do you, when you go into uh, the next season, that next spring, do you look at it like, I want us to, to work on the things that are, are carrying over from last year, the, both the good and the bad, or do you look at each spring as something new, and we're just and we're trying to create something, and we'll just kind of start with the basics once again. No, <clears throat> what we do is we'll go through. We we continue to uh, all, all off season with, with the coaching staff, with the scouts, uh, and the player development is uh, what we did well last year. What we need to prove on where were our limitations, um, and, and so and we'll do that exercise again uh, with each individual player. But also, uh, as a group, what did we do well as a group? What did we need to improve on as, as a group? And the other thing is is that we'll, we will be out there with the idea that every day is an opportunity to compete, and whether it's internal competition or external competition. Uh, internally, that's, that's being positional. External, being somebody else in, in a uniform. And, and spring training is one of those challenges that, that it, 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 it's tough uh, because – you have to create an environment, a, a working environment, for these guys to show up, uh, to work hard, to compete, not only against themselves, but uh, against uh, all, all, all factors and all forces. So that uh, I think one of the things coming out of spring training last year is that, that as we competed, uh, where were we, where did we compete well at? Uh, how did we compete every single night? And there's, it's going to be a, a, an evaluation process daily for us uh, so that we can try to stay on that mark, hit that mark every single day so that we can we can create a, a, a winning daily environment. Listen, I, I think that uh, yesterday in print I wrote about the starting rotation depth going into spring training. And you mentioned the addition of Cole, and that was a huge addition last year. We all know that there's not one time of year that is designated to improve pitching staffs. You guys did that last year by adding Wandy on opening day of the regular season and then again with Cole. As I look at this club, my biggest concern going into spring training is I'm not sure about the depth of the rotation uh, given the fact that, that Colby hasn't been on a mound yet and that Darvish is still coming back from surgery um, and, and Tepish was injured last year. A.J. Griffin's coming back from an injury. Can you talk me off the ledge, or, or is there concern there? Well, first of all, <laughs> each, individual, each individual person puts their own self on a ledge. I, I, can, I can probably help talk you off. Can you, sense, can you push him off? <laughs> Evan, Evan lives on that ledge, Jeff. <laughs> but here, here's, 
everybody everybody in baseball is is doing the same thing that 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 you're doing uh, and thinking about their own depth. Uh, it's obviously uh, in the forefront. Uh, we think about it. Uh, we, we we try to find a way to to bolster uh, our depth, uh, but also remember we have we do have a couple of young pitchers that that pitched some significant innings for us last year. Uh, in Nick Martinez and, and Chichi Gonzalez, and then uh, Anthony Ronaldo, who who pitched a, a heck of a game out in, in L.A. for us. So there is some experience there. Uh, I, I believe that given another spring training, uh, that experience uh, from last year, uh, given the fact that there's there's also a, a, a new voice uh, with these guys that in, in a, a a renewed energy, if you will, on, on the pitching side, and that's not to take anything away from 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 Mike Maddox. It, it's just the addition of, of Doug Brokell and 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 Brad Holman that I believe that uh, these guys are going to be better. Uh, so, would we like to have a stronger, uh, uh, more depth? A- absolutely, uh, but I, I also think that we're going to be stronger with Martin Perez. We're going to be stronger with Derek Holland. Uh, in, in the rotation, those are those are two guys. It Cole Hamels. Those are three guys that we didn't even have in, in, in the rotation till the the later part of uh, of the season. So um, if you look at it, uh, it's a, it's a better, much stronger rotation than than we even started with last year. So uh, I'm a I'm just Barry Horn. I'm a baseball idiot, unlike Evan, who's a savant. No, I'm just an idiot in general. What 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 should fans take from the all the changes in the coaching staff? Well, what the fans should take from the the changes in the in the coach staff A is that that uh, Andy Hawkins wanted to pursue pitching coach opportunities, uh, and, and so that was in a sense a, a personal decision on on his part. Um, and Mike Maddox also wanted to 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 look and to see if there were other opportunities. Uh, for him outside the organization also and, and through that process uh, the interview process uh, that, that we became very uh, I- intrigued with the, with the idea that uh, we, we could get uh, or add to uh, possibly be better uh, uh, down the line with uh, Brad Holman the guy who's already ha- has some equity and some relationships with these pitchers especially some of these young pitchers that have have come through our, our, our system. And then uh, given the fact that uh, Doug Brokell brings a, a front office perspective as well as a field perspective and a long-time pitching perspective, uh, that uh, some toughness, uh, but has worked in, a, in an environment also that uh, has been pretty progressive. So that, that excited us also. Uh, with with uh, Dave Magadan, it was a situation that, uh, I felt like that a a, a new voice uh, in that department was probably the the uh, best situation for us. Uh, I think it was a mutual agreement. Uh, and and I, and the other part of that is I wish I wish all of these these guys well because we wouldn't be where we were last year without them. And again, the coaching industry is such that there are. Changes. There's all you look at every every team, and there there are changes. There are changes that get made. There are even changes at the managerial seat along the line as well too. So, uh, 
look, we're always looking to improve. Uh, we're, we're looking to do what is best for the organization, and, and as we as we sit today, I think we, we have an opportunity to have a dynamic, uh, cohesive uh, coaching staff. Hey, you mentioned Doug Brookhale's toughness, and we had him on the uh, on the podcast a little bit earlier this off season. The podcast, the podcast, whatever you want to call it, and he did mention the uh, the circumstances under which you two first met. Um, <laughs> We'd like to get your version of that story. <laughs> well, uh, I think we had a disagreement on, on, on what direction the ball that was pitched it should have gone. <laughs> That's it. Where exactly uh, was this now? <laughs> we we were. I was in Macon, Georgia, and he was in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, we were fifty feet six inches away. Who won that argument? That Who won that argument, Jeff? Well, I don't think anybody wins those arguments. <laughs> they, 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 they end mutually, by the way. It's, it's, uh, look, one of, one, of the old, one of my all-time favorite stories in baseball was how Phil Garner and Doug Mantellino, his longtime third base coach, met. And uh, they became uh, great partners and, and friends in the game of baseball. And um, Doug Mantellino was the first base coach at the time for the Chicago White Sox that Phil Garner was – the manager, I believe, for the Milwaukee Brewers, and, and uh, there was a little uh, dust up, and, and uh, uh, Phil Boner and Doug Mantelito had a nice conversation at the top of the dugout step, in which both teams uh, convened and also argued uh, with some uh, close handshakes and pushing and shoving. So, uh, how you meet uh, is one thing, but uh, I respect Doug and everything that he's done, and the man he is, and I believe we are we have an opportunity to be better going forward. Uh, Jeff, what are the when you're talking about Jeff Bro, uh, or, or with uh, Doug Brokale coming in and, and being your new pitching coach? You know, it's it's to me it's always been an interesting question of, of just how much a coach can do with a given player. You know, you, you just really never know what what ceilings are. But on this club and in, in this rotation, I think uh, there's always been uh, a feeling: is Derek Holland going to reach that potential? What he's going to be? And you know, one of the things that happened uh, a few years ago when they made the acquisition of Cliff Lee. Uh, that really seemed to make a, a solid impact on Derek. He, he talked to him a lot and got a lot from him. He seems to be doing the same thing with Cole Hamels. Uh, uh, how much do you expect him to get not only from Doug but from Cole Hamels? Well, I, I hope that all of our players learn from each other, especially the young guys from the veterans, and, and I hope our veterans can, can gain some, some youth and exuberance from, from our, uh, our, our young players. But, um, look, baseball – we learn from uh, a lot of different areas, uh, and probably as good an area as any is when you when you learn from from self-made players, from guys that that, that have really uh, had to uh, work hard at their craft. Uh, when things come easy to you, it's hard to explain to others just exactly how you do it and, and what what best fits. And, and I think when you when you look at Cole. This was a talented guy, but yet this was also a guy that was a multi, multi-sport player um, that had a, a lot of different interests, uh, so he's open-minded. Uh, and to think that uh, he has the time, the effort, and the, the want to, to to teach others, to leave a legacy, if you will, uh, I think that is pretty special. And so 
uh, for a guy like Derek Holland to be able to pick up little things from 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 Cole Hamels or, or uh, if it's Colby Lewis to, to Nick Martinez and, and Chi-Chi, uh, if it's you uh, Darvish uh, helping out uh, our, our pitchers as well, uh, we all learn from each other, uh, and that's I think that that's the greatest environment that we can we can create on a, on a ball club is that we're we're all open, uh, driven, uh, but but more than anything else we're, we're we we have a thirst for learning and and that's uh, if we can get Derek Collins to to stay on that path to stay consistent with what he does learn uh, probably is is the best asset that that, uh, that Derek Collins could have. Benny, I want to change topics here just for a second um, very quickly and, and talk about the outfield for a minute. Uh, there certainly on social media has been a lot of questions that I've received about what will be the plan for Josh Hamilton and how much could be expected from Josh this year. I, I Knowing that your brain never quits, I know you've got somewhere in the deep, deep recesses a number of games you'd like to get him to that are kind of an optimal performance level. Is there a range there that you can, uh, that you're comfortable talking with us about and how you prepare him this spring to, to, to do that? Well, well, first, yeah, there's, there's obviously a, I, I think there's a, there's a number that we can, we can uh, look at and, and think about, but to, to just, throw that number out there right now i mean th- that would be limiting josh hamilton and that's that's, that's one thing i'm not i'm not going to do and, and the other thing too is this this is still a learning process for me on, on josh and just uh what his his body can handle uh, you know it, it was and because i i haven't seen him through a spring training i haven't seen him start a season with a with a full spring training so uh, i i know what it it looks looks like on paper and statistically and analytics and and, and where the number says uh, that uh, total numbers uh, games uh, in a row uh, optimum optimum performance and, and what it looks like after a couple of days off or a day off um, but I don't expect it that Josh is a is a 162 game player I don't I don't even expect that he's you know in in the hundred in 140 game range, but uh, the reality is that, that if we can get Josh to the point to where uh, he can give us uh, quality at bats, quality innings throughout every every series, uh, with an idea that we we do know that we're going to have to give him some some days off because that's just where 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 the body is now and keep him uh, performing at a high level and try to limit the injuries because history tells us that that. Hey, all of our players get nicked up from from time to time, and, and some are more significant than others. And Josh is a big man, and it's uh, it's a big load to carry around. And, and there is some injury history there. Have you had any contact with him this off season? Oh yeah, I've, I've had a lot of contact with Josh. I've, I see him at the ballpark uh, pretty much daily. I've I, I've seen him uh, a number of places, really, but. Uh, Multiple conversations, yes. How does he seem? Seems good. I mean, just like all of our players, they're they're in, they're in good spirits. Uh, feel good. Uh, the body looks strong. Uh, so, um, I look forward to, to seeing seeing him in uniform out, out in Arizona. Did, 
with uh, I wanted to ask you too about Adrian Beltre. I know that uh, he he really went through a, a lot of physical uh, problems last year and persevered through all of that, and then had a really fine you know second half and, and finished really well. Uh, he, he almost and I want to say too that in his uh, defensive metrics, he had as good a season as he's had in several uh, last he's, year. He had a better defensive metric season than several that he won Gold Gloves. Yeah. Yes, and, and and which is an amazing thing at his age and with the injuries he was going through. Uh, what would you expect? Would you expect he'd be able to put together the kind of season he did with, that he finished last season with? Look, look he was. <laughs> I, I'm not. Here's one one guy. I'm, I'm not going to. My expectations or what the, what I think his limitations are because he he shatters all of that. Uh, he shatters conventional thinking. He, he shatters the progressive thinking. This is this is a guy that, that uh, he did what he did uh, pretty much on a on a, a body that uh, when when you uh, really dig deep into into where he was last year just. Uh, coming out of spring training, uh, banged up, uh, playing with a, with a number of injuries that uh, weren't necessarily uh, known uh, publicly, but then also through the, the, the public knowledge of, of the thumb uh, and then the back at, at the end. I mean, it's, it's amazing what this guy does, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy whatever whatever Adrian is able to give us, and, and he and I will work together in a partnership and decide what, what, when uh, when and if he needs days off, uh, when he needs time down, uh, and when the body's nicked up enough to, to, to give a, a, an opportunity to rest up. All right, before we let you go, one last quick thing. Uh, late development last night, you guys added Ike Davis on a minor league contract or have reportedly agreed on a minor league contract with Ike Davis. Uh, he's a big left-handed hitting first baseman. You have two left-handed hitting first basemen already in Mitch Moreland and Prince Fielder. This just another insurance policy, or, or is there something else uh, to that? Well, first, I I don't I don't I'm I'm, I'm not going to probably say that that this is a, a done deal. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what I what I will say is what my knowledge of, of Ike Davis and who he is, and, uh, and I, I should I, tell people I, I should tell people that you had him for a little while with Pittsburgh in in 2014, about half the year I think, right? Yes, and, and uh, in Pittsburgh we got him uh, in a uh, acquisition. It was little more than than half the year, uh, actually, uh, and, and so. Ike is a the thing about Ike. He's an on base guy. He's got an on base guy with, with some power. Uh, when healthy, that the body moves um, defensively uh, pretty well at first base. Uh, he has played other positions also, uh, being uh, in the outfield a little bit. And uh, so, uh, the one thing about Ike that is intriguing that he that he's like some of these other players, he's he's had some some significant uh, injuries along the way that have uh, kept him from being at that high level performer or even perform uh, at a level that he, that he's probably capable of. Uh, there's an opportunity for for a club to bring Ike to, to spring training and and as 
uh, give him an opportunity to uh, to have some some healthy at bats and, and and show what he what he can do, uh, where he's at, and, and just what type of player he really is. But uh, this is Ike's a, a guy who loves to play the game of baseball. Uh, he was over in that Met organization had had uh, one really good uh, power year, and uh, he's uh, he he can be a a, a left-handed. Uh, uh, and when you look at the OPS uh, for a guy like this, it's uh, uh, he he can run it up there uh, in, a, in a, that above average range. When Evan changes subjects, he goes from pitching to outfield. I want to change the subjects to uh, another sport. What's up with the Baylor volleyball team? <laughs> well, it's it's off season for the Baylor volleyball team. They're hard at work. It's it's their it's their winter time, if you will, of uh, really. Uh, Banging away in the in, in the gym uh, on the on the hardwood of uh, their skill work, uh, but also in the uh, in the uh, in the gym, uh, girls are getting better. I, I think it's recruiting has been recruiting season for them also. So there there have been some some new signs. Uh, I, I think Coach McGuire has done a a fantastic job with he and his coaching staff of. of uh, really working hard with with these girls to to have a better year next year. Hey, listen, this has been uh, this has been great. We appreciate you letting us grill you this morning. Um, I know you're leaving tomorrow for Arizona, and uh, you'll get to see me on Thursday. I know you're very excited about that. <laughs> I like to cackle, but uh, we uh, we appreciate it, and we will let you go, and uh, we will catch up with you again soon. Awesome, guys, as always pleasure and i look forward to uh to speaking with all of you and and uh enjoying a great season thanks jeff thanks jeff thanks jeff i did bring up that because as we know his jeff's daughter plays on the baylor volleyball team that is correct alex, alex plays for baylor she uh, transferred there after i think it was uh, is it hill county is that yeah in junior, ju- junior college is hill county hillsborough yeah that's that's where she had played for uh previously and Went to Baylor, and she is a member of the volleyball team there. Uh, and so, you know, he had – he got down there and saw her play a couple times. And, and once, I believe, late in September, actually got down there, saw her play in the morning, came back to Arlington and, and managed the game that night. So uh, the guy knows – the guy is committed to his family. He's a workaholic, but he's definitely committed to his family. And he lives in the area. He lives yeah. in one of the mid-cities, and I'm not sure at this point if it's technically Keller, Euless. H-E-B. Bedford. Mm-hmm. Southlake. But his home is in Lamarck. But I think they've moved up here full-time. Have they moved I, up I here full-time? Is that full right? Time, yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, because he's lived in Lamarck even when he was in Pittsburgh. Correct. He lived, he lived in, well, I don't know if he lived in Lamarck, but he lived in the Houston area. No, he went Lamar. to high school in Lamar. I don't he know. Went to high school in Lamar. Yeah, I think he lived in Lamar too. Um, but as you know, he's a Houston Cougar. And yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we had two of us in here. In the, well, he wasn't the, actually in here. He was. Well, he was on. His he voice was. On, was in his here. voice was in there. Yeah. So same thing. He was here in spirit. There you go. So here's the deal, Kevin. You've dealt with more Ranger managers than I have because you've been here since when? Since uh, 1962. You right. got you, you you got here ten years before the Rangers did. <laughs> you know, no, that's no, 1985. So you've dealt with everybody basically dealing back to Bobby. Ba- back to Bobby. I missed. Did, did you did I you miss? Did you miss Doug Rader? <laughs> if Doug you miss Doug Rader, you cannot say you've dealt with him. Did yeah, you put, that's true. Did Doug Rader put underwear on your head? And it wasn't my head. It was Jim Reeves's Jim head. Reeves. And Jim, but and Jim didn't. 
Didn't he move. didn't put it, and Jim didn't move. Yeah. I, I don't think I was in there that day. Jim I was afraid to move. Moved. That's a great story. So here's here's the question. And and it was why did he put the underwear on the head? No, he didn't put it he on him. He it. blew up. He he threw stuff in the air, and this and these underwear landed on Jim Reeves' head, and Jim was too afraid to remove. I it. I don't want to say afraid. Do you want to say afraid? Yes, I, I want to say stunned. afraid. No, I think he was afraid. Doug Doug was a bully. Listen, in that, in that, I, I, a crazy knew Doug, man. I knew Doug with Florida when he was a coach, and he could be off the charts intense and strange, and at the same time incredibly charming off the field too. So it was he he was he's definitely a character. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I know that here in the manager's role, it was it was an uncomfortable fit oh. for him. But what I wanted to get to here is, I, I think you have watched, as we said, every manager back to Bobby Valentine here. What was your take on Bannister's rookie year, both on the field and how he dealt with the other aspects of managing, which is the clubhouse and dealing with the media? That's a huge aspect. Man. You know, he's an interesting guy to me. Because, uh, and, and I say this because, first of all, as we know, he's the son of a high school football coach. And if you are just around him for a few minutes you would, and you knew he was a coach of some kind, you would think, well, he's a, he's a high school football coach because he talks like one. He has a very commanding presence. He, he, he kind of uh, – he, he doesn't talk like a, a typical baseball coach or manager in my mind. I, you know, you, you get more of that, you know, bravado. You get more of the machismo that, from him than you get from most baseball guys. Uh, and so it, it would be easy to draw a conclusion about him that, uh, well, it's just a lot of bluster here, you know, and how's this going to really carry over w- with his players? But the flip side of it is he's also a very intelligent, very analytical guy who very much embraces metrics uh, of baseball and the analytics. And and that's and that's really interesting that you get both sides of that in one man. Uh, you know, and I, and I will say, uh, when we going back to remember when the, on the uh, his first news conference here, I was very impressed with him at that time. I just thought he was very genuine and uh, and very and I and I've asked this question to John Daniels as well. I said. You know, I, I know you, you probably were just doing your due diligence when you brought him in uh, to interview for the job. And I said, so what were you thinking? And he said, I was I, he said, I was just blown away. He said, I was I was I couldn't believe that this guy hadn't already been hired by someone else as a man. Aren't they different? Aren't they very, very different? Is that, is that what the opposite? Op- Daniels and Daniels. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. First of all, he's about a foot taller. And, and, uh, and I think he, and he could and, turn and John into Daniels a pretzel if he wanted to. Went to a much better school. I, Colin. Wow, taking the taking the UH shot there, yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 here's the thing though. Look, John Daniels is the guy who hired Ron Washington, so he's willing to go wherever he needs to go to get what he what he wants, right? Uh, and and I think you know uh, he got a lot of mileage out of Ron Washington. You know that that, that worked out pretty well. Two uh, two World Series uh, spots. So Let's, I want to ask Evan a question. I asked about the coaching staff. Do you think he'll be more comfortable with his the coaching staff he has this year? These are his guys he's brought in. How, well, how, if what you difference will make in him? You look at last year's staff, and Tony Beasley was the only guy he brought in. And you could argue, uh, I think, pretty per- and that was his guy persuasively that of all the coaches last year, maybe Tony Beasley made the most difference of anybody on the staff. He reached Elvis. He reached a lot of guys. Um, and he he would go out before games on a little run with Tony Beasley right. too. They were very close. And um, in you know. Iaposi is not a guy with whom Jeff had a long, long history. It's not like he's bringing in a crony from Pittsburgh. This is a guy that they interviewed and who impressed them as the hitting instructor with his approach. Uh, Brocale, he's got a little bit longer history with. Uh, the question I'm gonna, I, I'd like to ask Jeff, and I, I'm not sure he's ever going to get into the comparison, but I think with Mike Maddox, you had more of a uh, planner and. Um, 
uh, cerebral type approach to pitching. And I don't know if that came across with uh, as much gusto and enthusiasm and encouragement in terms of instilling confidence in, in the pitchers. Um, I think that, that, you know, you mentioned Derek Holland. Mike Maddox is the only pitching coach Derek Holland's had. He's going to hear a new voice this year. And uh, maybe that is all that he needs to hear is a new voice constantly patting him on the back, constantly telling him he can get after it. And then if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do that day, also being able to kind of, you know, take him down a notch and, and give him a wake-up call. So I, I do think there's a there's a big yin and a yang there in terms of who they are. I do also think that Brad Holman being the bullpen coach here, having worked with guys like Chi-Chi and Nick Martinez uh, and, and to a lesser extent Martin Perez, all of these guys uh, and, and guys that will come through here, Brad's got, as he mentioned, equity. He has worked with these guys, and they all communicate very well with him. So I think you're going to have much more of a of, of a team kind of deal instead of a, a linear thing where it's pitching coach, bullpen coach. And I also think that, that Doug is going to report more directly in terms of how he does things to Jeff. I, I think under Ron Washington, Mike Maddox had an awful lot of autonomy in how he handled the pitchers. And, and – that worked out well for them. I think at this point in time, this manager is much more comfortable with making his own decisions about pitching and, and, and plans for pitching. And so I think he will uh, fit more more comfortably into an autonomy role. Yeah. I mean, into a, a reporting type role. It's, it's interesting to me, and that's why I brought that up about uh, you know working with you know Cole Hamels being an influence on Derek Collins. And there you will know. be no there will be no shoulder touching. Yeah, there will uh, be no more no more. If Vulcan you notice, there grip. was no Cole right. Hamels shoulder touching. Uh, yeah, was, I didn't notice that. that Ever was made in the very clear. I didn't notice that. Yeah, don't touch my shoulder. Yeah, right. well, yeah I would too. I'd, I'd say the same thing. Uh, I touch your shoulder all the time. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable uh, with let's that. Let's not get into let's that. Let's don't do that. Uh, but but here's because here's the deal. To me, it's, it's always interesting because fans will always say to you, "Oh, fire the pitching coach. The pitching's no better." You know, and and that it really gets tiresome because I I believe first of all, by the, by the time a guy gets to the major leagues, he's pretty much what he's going to be. Uh, when he's not progressing on his own, when he's not maturing physically, when he's not maturing mentally. So, uh, but I will say this: I, I, I want to. Barry, know, what do you think? I want. Yeah, you <laughs> try to catch me and Mitch you. Well, didn't you? Well, there we go. The signature phrase. But what I want to know is, uh, look, how much of this? Because I realize Mike Maddox was, was kind of shopping around, but I think they were all ready for him to leave too. And 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 I want to know how much of this is driven by the fact that hey man we're not seeing the progress from Derek Collin that we we want to see this guy has been on the edge all this time he's so inconsistent when is he is it because of the coaching or is it because this is just who Derek Collin is only the only thing I could say to that is the last two years you couldn't say that you know you haven't seen what you wanted from Derek because he's Collin been hurt because of the injuries right um, he pitched really well when he came back in fourteen he was very inconsistent when he came back in fifteen. I, I do. He started think, out really well when he came back. Yes, yes, and then he went downhill. Very and saying, how does that happen? Quickly. What is that? Uh, I mean, that, that's the thing about about, about Derek. You uh, know, on the flip side, though, can't we can, can we say that the good things that Derek Holland did? Maybe that was a result of something Mike Maddox did. It could have been. You know, that, that, oh, and that's listen, why I, want I to don't know. want to take anything away from Mike. Absolutely, Maddox. but Absolutely. I I also do think that yeah, there were. If you look at early on. There are some circumstances that also led to some of the pitching success here uh, that were beyond just the fact that Mike Maddox was the pitching coach. A, you had he arrived basically at the time that you were taking PEDs out of the game. Right. So the offense went down naturally. 
B, within two years here, he also had had worked with Cliff Lee and had gotten the the uh, the reconstruction of the ballpark con- the, the ballpark configuration, which took some of the jet stream out of play. Right. Got a great defensive third baseman and Adrian Beltre to help the pitching staff. Okay, and then I I, I do think the that that all played a part. But yeah, there were some guys who who did really hit. But the last few years, you look at the transition of relievers to starters, and none of those paid off. Uh, didn't work with Robbie Ross. Didn't work with Tanner Shepherds. Didn't work with the well, who, whose idea was that? Was that Maddox's idea? Was that management's idea? Whose idea? I think everybody's got to wear that a little bit, yeah. you know, because nobody stood up and said this is a terrible, terrible idea, or this is why we shouldn't do it. Um, I think that from a management perspective, the idea was it, it worked with C.J. Wilson. Starting pitching is much more valuable than relief pitching. These guys have fantastic arms. Now that all that's all well and good. C.J. Wilson. For all the punchlines that we can deliver about how CJ approaches life and all of that, the guy's a workout freak, and he's much more dedicated. I he's think he's very talented to, too to and, his and, honing his craft. And the producer Tommy, you're sitting with your back to producer Tommy. Tommy's so, going crazy. Tommy's going crazy. He says we're going too long. Let, let me before ask, we go, to, go ahead. Ask we're going too long. One more question to me. Go, the, the bigger question, maybe the bigger question, and you alluded to this in your fine Sunday package uh, when you talked about that. Let's not talk about my package. I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh-huh. you see, you know, the, here's the. Cheech, you, okay. you should be a volleyball player and just lob okay. it up. This is Chichi Gonzalez because here's a guy who who came up last year and and with all this great stuff uh, and and a great minor league track record and and he and he did pitch really well for a while and then was just pretty much awful. I I wouldn't say awful, but I I do think he definitely went through the growing pains that a rookie pitcher is going to go through. And I thought it was interesting that John Daniel said last week when I asked him about Chichi that he wants to see more stuff this year. Right. He thought that Chichi on occasion dial things back to throw more strikes. And, yeah. and I think Chi-Chi has got to get more comfortable with the idea of throwing out of the zone on for purpose on occasion uh, and that that's okay. Uh, he is a strike thrower. That is a strength. But he can let it go a little bit more. And he can, as long as he knows why he's throwing out of the zone and what his purpose is, I think that stuff can, can, can come back to help him. The other thing with Chi-Chi that was a little bit concerning last year was because the stuff got dialed back a little bit and because the breaking ball and changeup became so similar in velocity, you really had about a five-mile-an-hour difference between all three of his pitches. Uh, and if you look at at the minor leagues, I think people were telling me that it was a lot closer to about 10 miles difference. Which is good. He's, he's got to get that bigger speed differentiation to take guys off of zoning in on where the fastball is or waiting on the breaking ball. Uh He's the presumptive favorite to walk out of camp with the number five job. Uh, but it was very clear to me in the way John answered that question last week that this is certainly not being given to Chi-Chi, and there, there are projects he's going to have to at least address during spring training. And Nick Martinez has been a serviceable arm. After Nick Martinez, I think you have some questions if A.J. Griffin is not healthy. If A.J. Griffin's healthy, that was a steal on a minor league contract, going to be a very low major league cost. And he, he was a 200-inning pitcher for Oakland in 2013. Evan, who else we have today? On we have John podcast? Machota waiting outside the door. Let him come in. Uh, and we will have— I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not opening this door. Do we have Calvin Watkins? Calvin Watkins, he's, yes, uh, he's texting me. He's going to talk about the Mavericks, the Rockets, and we should say goodbye, I think. All right, Barry. Thank you for, for letting us know that we had to go, but you had one more question. <laughs> we will see you all soon. Thanks again for listening. Impo- it was an important question. Evan. Bye.